Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. It's a Monday show. That means Ari Wasserman is here. That also means we're going to continue with our series of ranking the best jobs in college football by conference. Today, we're going to have the most controversial one. This is the one where, as I was going down my list, Ari, I kept thinking everybody in the top six is going to think theirs is the best job. Or they're just going to think Alabama is the best job because they win the national championships. But we'll we'll get to that. It, this is a really hard one to do. This is the only conference, Andy, where you might have a different number one. Like every other conference, it's just, okay, what's number two? And I think that there's a strong case to be made, and I'm very curious to see uh, how we stack up. Because last week we agreed on everything, and you're – uh, Mr. SEC, and you know that conference like the back of your hand, and I'm very curious to see if we are still in the same general range as we were a week I, ago. I, I will say I've had the same number one since about 2014. Okay, well then I league. think that and, you just and, gave it away, that we're going to be that, on the and, same. And that means it's the number one job in the country, by the way. The number one job in the SEC is the number one job in the country. So Okay, so should we just start off with me giving you my number one? Yeah, I want to hear it because this is the, there. There are a lot of layers to this. If you agree with me, it doesn't necessarily mean that's it and we move on because there's a ton of layers to this particular one. So go for it. Okay, my number one is Georgia. Me too. Best job in the country. Not even cl- well. I mean, it's close, but it, it is the best job in the country. I'm curious as to your rationale why. I, I, I'm wondering if it's a similar match up to mine because mine had a lot to do with studying the numbers of, of prospects being produced in the country. And that's how I came to that conclusion several years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think that the easiest answer is always just going to be, well, Bama, they're rolling, you know, and it just, the thing that I've always struggled with with Bama is, and I'm sure we'll get to this is, is it Bama or is it Saban? You know, it's and Saban. like, that's a very Bama was fine not line. good before he got there. I mean, they had a, like Oh five, they had a good year, but they were not good under Mike Shula. Like, yeah. But, and you'll say, okay, well, what about Ray Goff? You know, Georgia wasn't good under Ray Goff. I, I, I get that. But just the way the population shifted, the way the dynamics of the state of Georgia work, it's the best job. And I think if you'd ask Nick Saban when he was looking for a job in the SEC, when he, well, he wasn't even really looking. He was going to stay with the Dolphins until Alabama talked him into coming. But, if, if you'd have given him his choice of jobs, he would have picked Georgia as well. The, the, the problem with that at the time was Mark Richt went on a fairly epic run in his first few years as Georgia's coach, so there, he wasn't going anywhere. But Georgia produces more Power 5 players than every state except Florida and Texas, and it is the number one option in the state. There's not yeah, it's a, there's, like Georgia Tech is there and they're in the ACC and they're a power five school and everything. But it's not the same as like Florida, Florida State, Miami or Michigan and Michigan State or Clemson and South Carolina. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're going to get into some controversy here when we get to my number two. But I think that the only reason why Georgia's number one is because it has carte blanche in Atlanta and it's got that state and there's no other program in that state that can take the talent from Georgia when things are rolling, especially at Georgia. And the way that they've recruited in the last four or five years uh, under Kirby Smart is a personification of the potential of what that program is. Now, it will be very easy to scream at your microphone or scream at your car or punch Wait, your steam. Hold on. Let me, let me do it. Let me do it. 
They hadn't won a national title since 1980, Ari. 1980. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say, to say they haven't won a national title since 1980. And I understand that, you know, that is a, that's kind of a bruise. I'm not, I mean, there's no shying away from it. But also, as Georgia. It's why, it's why Mark Rick got fired. And it's why people are not super patient with Kirby Smart. I mean, let's be objectively speaking, Kirby Smart has done a very good job in his first years at Georgia. He got them to the national title game. They, they lost on a miracle pass in overtime on, on a second and 26 play. So he, he did that, but and he's gotten them to the point where they would meet Alabama and then falter. Now, they took a step back this year because they got the quarterback situation wrong. But they, they've been where they need to be for the most part. They... Nick Saban won the recruiting crown eight years in a row. Then Georgia snapped that streak and won it two years in a row and has been second or third every year since. And they have enough talent on their roster to win a national championship. And sometimes the missing link is just quarterback. But um, the fact of the matter is, is they've got the most advantageous uh, recruiting situation in college football. And that's not just the SEC. I think, like I agree with you, Georgia might be the best job in college football. And the other aspect to this, too, is, you know, when you take away the recruiting part, because that's how I look at this, and I knew that we were going to agree on this, because if you have Georgia to yourself, there's no better place to be. But they're also on a far more manageable side of the SEC as well. And, you know, I know that you can't take it away from Alabama, because Alabama is so good, but you don't have to play Alabama, Texas A&M, and Auburn, and LSU. Like that, it, yeah. winning the SEC out of the Auburn, West but is you don't, a, you is don't a have lot. to play the other ones, yeah. Yeah, right, right. So the, the, the entire dynamic of what it is to be George's coach, even though it just Kirby Smart's hire coincides with the greatest run in college football history from a coaching standpoint. It's like LeBron when he went back to the Cavs and they had to face the Warriors all those years. It just sometimes, right. you know, it doesn't that, mean that your job's not good or you're LeBron not doing a good job. One. Kirby yeah. didn't have his chase down block. Yeah, he didn't have his chase down block. But you know what? They were right there on the ropes, too. So, um, you know, in the national championship game. So uh, I think I would put myself in a position where I think this is a pretty easy choice. I, I do, too. And, and I know people will say, but Alabama's winning all these national titles. Yes, because they have the greatest coach of all time coaching them. That, that, that's why. He's, Nick Saban is the best college football coach of all time. At this point, we can't even really argue that. There's not really a, a, another contender. So that's why. Now, Alabama's a really good job. It's a, In fact, Ari, it's my number two. I have Alabama there because if you are the right guy, if you are the one who's willing to do what Nick Saban has done. to Here's the thing. Nick Saban is a relentless recruiter, continuously. Most coaches at this level of, of achievement would just back off in terms of recruiting. He has not. <laughs> you know, in, in fact, this past year is, is the, maybe the best example of that. Alabama will give you all the resources you need to make it work. You know, you're never, and that's that's something that changed that Nick Saban made happen. You know, he got there, he said, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And a lot of the, the circumstances of his hiring were, remember, Rich Rodriguez had taken the job and then, and then not taken it. And they're looking for somebody and they just didn't know, you know who to get. But Nick Saban seemed like the obvious choice. And, and Mal Moore basically said, I, I got to get you or I can't come back. They're not going to let me back in my office. So Nick Saban, when he took the Alabama job, had carte blanche almost like, hey, I want to do this. I want to add this. I want to do that. I want to add this program. I want to add this consultant. 
And they had to say yes because otherwise he wouldn't have come there. And I think that's going to benefit whoever comes after him because they realize if the coach is smart and he knows what he's doing, don't fight him. You have money. Just spend it. I've been waiting patiently to drop my bomb. LSU is my number Uh-oh. two. I, I don't I, – listen – I'm not going to scream at you about that because let's let's think about this, okay? It's very hard to get players out of Louisiana. Alabama had a nice little run when Burton Burns was an assistant coach of getting players out of Louisiana. Devontae Smith, the, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama, from Louisiana. I think, though, and I think, so I, I, I've got LSU number three. And I think it's a really good job. I think it's really close between LSU and Alabama. I just think because Alabama, now you've got Bear Bryant, Nick Saban, all that. Alabama is so meaningful, no matter where you are recruiting in the country, that you can get whoever you want. Yeah. I The reason why I did this is, A, and I think this past year's exam, uh, class for Alabama was an example. Uh, they killed it in Florida. They killed it in Texas. And they've done no better. Nobody's done a better job of recruiting nationally. Their reach is unlike anybody else's. And that brand, as a result of it, has increased. And, um, you know, you can't take anything away from that. Now, the thing I will say is, A, Alabama is dependent on being dominant in very tough areas to recruit historically. So if you take somebody out of that equation like Nick Saban and put somebody in, I mean, we're ranking jobs here, not who's the best in college so, football. So, what, so what, you're, what you're saying is, and I, I get this. So what you're saying is you take away Nick Saban, you put not even a replacement level coach, but let's it's Alabama. You're going to get a good coach, but it's not the right. greatest coach. So maybe you don't get Jerry Judy and Calvin Ridley out of Florida. Maybe you don't get Devontae Smith out of Louisiana. And suddenly that's different. I, I get that. I think you could make the argument, too, that 10 recruitments is all you'd have to change the results of over a seven-year period to change the entire course of a program. You know, if you have certain players that are transcendent talents at those positions, it does a a really good uh, job of boasting you up. And I'm not saying that it's 10 recruits. and I just am saying if I'm ranking the job, replacing Saban and being held to that standard while also having to rely on bordering states for talent – is not as advantageous as taking over at LSU, a team that also has recently won a national championship and has the same type of rapport as Georgia and Louisiana. And Louisiana is no slouch for high school right. talent. Louisiana has produce, like yeah. six or seven top 100 players in the, or top 150 right. players every single year. And, and, so and the, you I, should get them every year if you're the LSU coach. And there's no even there's no Georgia Tech in LSU in Louisiana. It's no. all LSU. That's all it is. And, you know, LSU, I think, has done a, as good of a job, probably Ohio State and LSU are the two teams who have closed their borders the best. And part of the reason why is because those two teams are the only major Power Five programs in those states. And, you know, the the culture and the idea of how these people in these states grow up to love these programs makes these kids almost an automatic to those schools. And, like, if I were taking over a program, I would not want to take over and try to have to be at least held to a similar standard as Saban while also recruiting Texas and Florida. I would rather go into my own state, be the pride and joy of all the players in that state, put together these crazy recruiting classes, and do it that way. And Alabama's my number three. And I get that like you could make any one of these three potentially the number one job in the country, and they're all very good jobs. But to me, 
we're talking about jobs here, and I'm not sure that Alabama is a better job. I just think they happen to have the greatest coach of all time right now. I, I think you have to put some of it, because what we're saying is if Nick Saban left. But I think what Nick Saban did at Alabama has to count for something, too. I, I don't want to... You can't just say Alabama's a better job because Nick Saban's better than everybody else. You're right. But the fact of the matter is, if Nick Saban leaves tomorrow, the machine he put in place is still there. Yeah. No, I know. And that's why being the number three job in the SEC is probably a top five job in America still. Well, being, you know? being anywhere, I, I, I would argue that being anywhere in our top six here allows you to win a national title. I think we're going to have different top sixes, but um, Interesting. I, I agree with that. Um, I, I think that it's really hard and I know people are probably going to be angry. And if you fought me on it hard enough, I would be more than willing to switch. I just wanted <laughs> to give a different viewpoint to like what, I'm thinking here because I, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad I don't think it's a bad take at all. I, I, I think you it's a perfectly reasonable assessment of the situation, especially and, and I may be completely wrong here. If whoever comes in after Nick Saban, whenever that is, if they can't keep that up, if they can't keep nabbing a great player from Florida, a great player from Louisiana every once in a while, then no, it, it drops back. And it's the person so who is, replaces it. Let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but oh, as yeah. the person no, who replaces Saban, if they win one national championship every six years, are they a failure? <laughs> Absolutely not. If you're, if you're talking objectively, if you are an Alabama fan who's accustomed to winning like they're winning now, I, maybe you get a little impatient with that. But no, I mean, that's an all obscene of these amount other of places, right? All of these other places we're talking about. But here's the thing I would argue that Kirby Smart is under identical pressure. Kirby Smart was hired to win a national title. He has now coached Georgia for four, what, five seasons, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, without a national title. They're not happy with him. Yeah, I know. That sucks because uh, they, they're going to get one eventually. It's going to happen. You don't I think get so. You many can't players. keep recruiting like this yeah. and, not, right, and, not, and not have that special team kind of coalesce around it. Yeah, I, I agree. And they with were you. in overtime in a national will. championship game. I think if I you know. told a Georgia fan, that's the difference between Bama and all these other schools. I think if you told an Ohio State fan, an LSU fan, a Georgia fan, all the other blue bloods that we're always talking about on this podcast, you're going to win two every 10 years. I think everybody takes that immediately. Alabama goes, Ugh. you know, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think they I do think that, that now. It's I just think a if, different. If you didn't ask an Alabama fan in 2004, would you take. Like, if you just said what was going to actually happen, if you just said from, from between 2009 and 2020, you're going to win six national titles, they would have laughed at you. Like, that would have been so beyond their wildest dreams. So I think, I think the expectations will probably come back to earth eventually. But right now, yeah, they're, they're just they're in a different stratosphere. Um, Fan bases adapt, Andy. They adapt when their teams are down in the dumps and, they, and what they view <laughs> exactly. as rebuilding. And when they're up at the top... I mean, this is just insane, though. Nobody's supposed. This isn't even something that you can duplicate. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's just, it's not real. And that's that's part when people complain about Alabama being too dominant. I, I just want to be like, don't worry, it's not going to happen again. So, just when it's over, it'll be over and, and it'll be done. But kind of enjoy it and and take some lessons from it and just marvel at it a little bit because it's not going to happen again. You never, you will never see this again. All right, what is what is your number four? Uh, mine's Florida. Okay, mine is too. Okay, and you're Mr. Florida, so I would be doing a disservice if I didn't just let you take this one. 
Well, this this comes down to when we take Nick Saban out of the equation. You know, let's say some of those guys that Alabama goes down and gets. Let's say those those guys go to Florida. Suddenly, that's a because Florida is a few players away from being even with Georgia in the East. Now, I know you're gonna you're gonna say they're they're a lot further than that based on the town ta- the the recruiting rankings. I think as long as Florida's got a quarterback and they've got some special players, they can play with Georgia. Now, the question is, can they play with Alabama? And they, they've got to get, because remember, when Florida won the two national titles under Urban Meyer, that 06 signing class is what put them over the top and then set up the next one. And there's one particular player in that class that did it. And if you didn't watch Florida those years, you're going to say it's Tim Tebow. If you did, you're going to say it's Percy Harvin, which is who it is. And Florida has not had a Percy Harvin. That's the thing. As, Nobody's as had a Percy Kyle, Harvin. <laughs> yes, but people have had super special players. Alabama yeah, yeah. had Devontae Smith. You know, Ohio State had Chase Young. There have been those guys. Florida just hasn't had those guys. They had a very special player in Kyle Pitts this year. And you saw how good they were. I mean, they they played the eventual national champs better than anybody. But they've got to get more of that. And it's just, right now, that's really hard when Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are recruiting against you. Yeah, yeah. I want to just interject and just say my personal opinion is that Percy Harvin is the best college football player of all time. Uh, I don't know if that is a... <laughs> If that, I, don't I mean, think that's you'd where find I'm at many with people him. in Gainesville who would argue with you because I mean he was, he was just so absurd. special, absurd. Yeah, and I think Cam the, Newton agrees with us. Did you you saw him? Yeah, I saw on, that. On that I saw that whole thing. Yeah. And it's like what Urban Meyer's a genius, but he gave the fastest guy in the field that can't be tackled the ball. Like, great. I mean, it's just you don't. It's not. It's not a genius coaching decision. It's a special player who can make a play out of position the way that he made it, and it was just he did it every week, no matter what, and it was it was super special and. Um, the, the reason why I have some pause with Florida and I'll give you the floor to respond to this is I don't know if Florida, Miami and Florida state can all be really, really good at the same time. And there's a lot of talent in the state of Florida and you're constantly battling other in-state schools who have great tradition and have won national championships. I mean, Florida state more recently than Miami, but it's just also, quality of life, recruiting Florida, if I'm like ranking jobs, might really put Florida hard. down even more. I wouldn't <laughs> want to recruit Florida hard. every single day. It's, Could it, you imagine it, that? It is, that's it's a it's awful. a knife fight every day. And that's what when when Florida was open a couple years ago and when Florida State's been open the last couple of times, people are like, well, that job just recruits itself. No, it doesn't. It is it is just literally a knife fight every single day to try to stay on in the hearts and minds of, of the better players in the state. And then you you have the Alabama drop-ins and the Georgia drop-ins where you've got to deal with them, the Auburn drop-ins. I mean, it's it's not easy. But when you get it going, you can get it rolling because it's, it's one of those jobs like Florida, for some reason, when Florida gets cool, it gets very cool among players. Like you talk to a lot of the, the, the kids now, and we may be past that generation, but the last few years coming into college football, you know, their, their earliest memories were of like the Tebow, Percy Harvin, Brandon Spike skaters. And whether they lived in Florida or whether they lived in Arizona, they're like, that was the coolest team. And I think we're going to see that, you know, in, in the coming years about Alabama and about Ohio State. And but with Florida, when they get cool, they get cool for a little while. And that that yeah. so you've got to be able to make it cool. 
And that's the, that's Dan Mullen's mandate is is make Florida cool, and you will get some of those special players, and you will be able to compete for SEC titles, which means you'll be able to compete for national titles. I think that's a very apt point and a really nice way to put it. I think cool is really, really interesting because right now in the modern world of recruiting where these kids go to the same camps, are connected on Twitter, are friends or on group chats, they're all considering the same five or six schools and they're all yeah. the cool schools to go to you and get, Florida right now right is not pied, one of them. Right. And if you get the right Pied Piper committed to you at Florida, like a year ahead of signing day, you're going to get a great class. Florida is right on the cusp. I, th- I mean, this would be like an interesting podcast too, ranking the coolest places. It's like, what are the five right now? I mean, everybody knows what the five are. And it's like the battle is to get in that five. And I don't know mm-hmm. what happens first. Do you get into that five first and then win a national title? Or do you have to win a national title to get into the five? I think, you, well, well, I'd say like Pete Carroll, USC got cool and then won a national title. Although you can say the 03 team, you know, probably should have won the national title or, or had they played LSU, that would have been a hell of a game. But I feel like they were cool pretty much the moment Reggie Bush stepped on campus. I, I don't know. Because they because they already had like Matt Leinert, they had Sean Cody, they had some, a lot of those players that would be the best players on that, the 03 and 04 teams, came in, in 02 and 01. So I think they were already cool, but and, and Carroll had made them cool. Yeah, I I think George is cool right now. Yeah. I, I think would say. Cle- Clemson is probably the coolest just in terms of like they're on everybody's mind even though you uh, even though they've been winning you still wouldn't think that somebody in California would have as their first choice a school in upstate South Carolina. But that's just how it is because people watch that and and now you know, you've got these guys coming of age who were 12 and 13 when Deshaun Watson was playing at Clemson, and and they it just looked like so much fun. So everybody wants to play there. Yeah, I think that the top five in the recruiting rankings are the cool teams, and Clemson is certainly one of them. And part of the reason, too, is that these guys are so connected. And I don't know if this is like the LeBron James. That's two LeBron references in one podcast, by the way. Like the LeBron <laughs> James, Miami Heat getting the band together. But people want to yeah. play with each other. And when they're going to the but opening. That's, that's and you been have a, going on in college football recruiting forever. That's But the opening culture, like where the top 100 oh, yeah. players are all going to the same place at the same time now. They're getting FaceTime. They're becoming friends. They know each other. You've got kids who play across the country from each other who want to be a package deal. I know the package deals don't always work out the way that they sound in recruiting updates, but the fact of the matter is, is that that's a pool. And in order yeah. to get for one of these other teams, like you go look at the openings, top 50 players, and it's all the same final five, six. And it's just like, how can a player, a team like, like for instance, Auburn, which we'll get to like crack that. How does Auburn go in and take a? You don't see it very often. I feel like cracking the top five cool kids club is the hardest thing to do in college football. And I think it precedes winning a national championship. It's okay, chicken and the egg, but I, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. But let's go to number five. Cause my number five is Auburn. I take it yours is Mine, not. No, mine's Kentucky. Okay, all right. Here's the thing. We're ranking we probably jobs, should have established man. The, <laughs> we probably should have established the ground rules because if it – I feel like you have to be able to win a national title. Like if you can't win a national title, all, all the schools that can win a national title have to be above the schools that can't. And so 
that's why like you can win a national title at Auburn. You can win a national title at Texas A&M. Therefore, they have to be above Kentucky for me. If we just said, which job gives you the best quality of life, whether you win a national title or not? Kentucky is not only number one in the SEC, it is number one in the entire country because you but, can win eight games a year at Kentucky. They will pay you to keep you from going anywhere else and they will not run you off. Yeah. Part, quality of life is part of my rankings. So I don't know. I understand that might, we might be on different wavelengths here, but the fact of the matter is, is that like if I were a head coach, Kentucky might be on my top 10 list of jobs in college football to be. If no, no, I was if, a coach. If, if, if winning the national title doesn't matter, Kentucky's number one. It's not close. Yeah. And honestly, I think that Mark Stoops and his recruiting team believes that they can. I don't know that that's true or not, but I, I don't think that you take that job or you're a coach and you don't believe that you can. And Kentucky had of a special they season they first, first few years ago, a few years ago, and they were a few games away from uh, playing for the SEC championship. So, you know, I don't know if Kentucky yeah, is like they, the Michigan State. And then they State. played Georgia with the SEC East on the line, and we saw, we saw what happened. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to act like Kentucky is – but Mark Stoops is like a coaching legend in Lexington, is getting paid more than we can even talk about. The Brinks truck is permanently parked on oh, his front it's, yard. Oh, it, it is it's and tremendous. And he has no stress. I mean, but, but I think most of our listeners would agree <laughs> that winning the national title has to be part of this. Okay, part I'm sorry. It. I mean, you. I just wanted but you no, to know where, where I, I was coming from. You, you and I have had this discussion. We both have expressed our admiration for the job that Kentucky is because it really is awesome. Like, like Jeff, Jeff Brom at Purdue. I worry about him because I worry at some point they're going to go, you know, what are we, wait, we're paying all this for four or five wins a year. Mm, I don't know about that, but Mark Stoops consistently delivers eight, nine win seasons at Kentucky and, and out punches and, and has one, that one game a year where they beat somebody that they probably shouldn't. And that means that, let's say somebody from the Big Ten or somebody bigger in the SEC tries to take him away, he's getting a raise. And they still won't... Like, if you are the coach at Auburn, I, I don't really need to make this a hypothetical. You could be the coach at Auburn and, and win the, the division three years ago, and they'll still pay you $21.5 million to not coach there anymore. Like, Yeah, which isn't a bad deal either. I mean, let's be honest. But, Big buyouts. But if, are, Gus, if Gus Malzahn had had Mark Stoops' records, he would have been fired long ago. Yeah. I don't know who has more money, but Gus Malzahn is the king of cashing checks. And I don't know if you asked him like to go back in time, knowing what you know now about what you did at Auburn, beating Alabama as much as he did, which is a minor miracle when you think about it. Like, would you have, would your life have been better um, at Auburn or Kentucky. And I think that'd be an interesting discussion. But I, I'll tell you this, Andy. That's be the like, last I always time. like bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time we're going to have a weird mix-up in there. But I just wanted to make the point that okay. Kentucky is just an awesome no, job. I, listen, I, I, I'm fine with that. I, I, You and I have discussed this before. We are on the same page as far as that goes. But I'm just going with these where the national title has to be a major criterion. So okay, okay. my, well, my number we, five we'll, is Auburn because... The last five coaches have won there. You know, Gus Malzahn won an SEC and played for a national title. Uh, Gene Chizik won a national title. Tommy Tuberville went undefeated, couldn't play for a national title because it wasn't a playoff, but would have been able to play for one if there had been a playoff. Uh, Terry Bowden went undefeated, 
And then you get to the best coach they've ever had, Pat Dye. So, like, everybody wins there at some point. The problem is it's a giant roller coaster. And you have to be able to deal with the downs along with the ups. But you are two hours from Atlanta. Why does that happen all the time? Like, why is that always the case? Through different coaches, it's still, it's like funny when a program's personality transcends the person who's running it. My my number six is going to, it's the reason Auburn's five for me and the and the number six is number six and not above Auburn. Because okay, objectively, number- it would have more, more going for it. We'll be right back after these words. Okay, my number six is Texas A&M. Mine too. I don't too. know if that's what yours is going to be yeah, also. Mine too. And Texas A&M comes higher for me because my number seven is Auburn. So it's all, mm-hmm. we're all kind of in the and same I have, spot. And here. I have Auburn above Texas A&M. Because for whatever reason, Auburn's been able to get it done. And then I don't know if it's like a hex or there's some sort of boogeyman in, in College Station. Like, for whatever reason, it never gets done there. And there's no logical reason why it shouldn't. Texas A&M has everything you could possibly ask for to succeed. And yet, there's my Jim McElwainism. and yet, they don't. They, they just don't consistently compete for titles. It, it makes no sense. And that's why I had to dock them and put them below Auburn when I think if you look at it just purely objectively, given what they have around them, what the, the competition they're facing with different schools that are near them, I would think Auburn would be a harder job than A&M. But the last five coaches at Auburn and the last five coaches at Texas A&M tell me that Auburn's a better job. I... Th- wholeheartedly agree with you. And the reason why Texas A&M is higher on my list is because in theory, it should be easier. Also coming from covering the big 10 and covering a rivalry, I think the toughest spot and the reason why Michigan got docked on the big 10 ranking show that we did is because you're always constantly being measured against your rival and Texas A&M can have a really good Ohio state. Auburn's. Oh, Auburn's rival. Okay. I yeah, that's what I meant. Like, like, Auburn's I rival thinking, is better than Ohio I thought, State. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Texas. I was like, oh, okay. Yes. No, I, I, I agree completely. And I, I had this discussion with Jay Jacobs back when he was Auburn's athletic director. I said, how do you reconcile that? Because they're clearly on a historic run. You know that. Everybody else knows that. It's not normal. But you're still their rival, and everybody still gets mad at you when you lose to them. And he's like, yeah, there's really nothing you can do about it. Our fans want to beat Alabama. And there's nothing we can do about that. We have to beat them. We can, you can say it's dumb or that this will change when he's gone, but it doesn't matter. We still have to beat them. That's our job. And I kind of appreciate that answer. Texas A&M lost one game this year, and they lost to Alabama by 28, I believe. And this, you might as well, like – carry Jimbo Fisher off like Rudy uh, off the field. But, but here's I the thing. If, if A&M, like let's say Jimbo Fisher can string a few of these years together, I would, I would move A&M up this list because I just need to see it done. I need to see some proof of concept with A&M. Four words. They are in Texas. Texas is also in Texas and in an easier league. I know, but it doesn't there's like seem 150 to players. There's 150 players in this state. And I just feel like geogra- geographically speaking, I mean, you, you said it yourself. I don't know what it is, but 
Texas A&M has more access to better players than Auburn from a natural selection standpoint. They should own the city of Houston, which has a ton of talent in it. Mm-hmm. And they just had a really crazy good finish to their 2021 class. Their 2022 class seems to be on on track to being outstanding. Like Texas A&M, for as much as the entire fan base hates me because I didn't think they were a playoff team last year, here's my olive branch. I think they're going to be awesome if things continue. And they're all in the same division, so it's kind of hard to make any um, any bones about that's, that. But that's at the, the same crazy time, part. We've, we have four SEC West teams already. We're, yeah, we're on number seven. I'm on number seven. You're on number six, but but Auburn's your number seven. So Te- Texas A&M doesn't have to beat Alabama. Doesn't have to beat Alabama for their season to be considered a success. And I don't know if the same psychosis goes on at Auburn the way that you know it does in other rivalry games, but. To me, the geography and the fact that they're not Alabama's rival makes this a little bit better. But I do agree with you. For whatever reason, Auburn has been a roller coaster, and they, it doesn't matter right. who the coach they're, is. And their lows won are bad, all. but their high their highs are amazing. So I it, yeah, it, I just don't know why. It's, it's if we crazy. can't identify why, then I can't rank them higher. Well, we can't identify why A and M hasn't been able to be a consistent contender either, though. I think you could just say coaching incompetence. I, but here's the thing, like. They've Which made is why they're paying Jimbo Fisher like how much are they paying him? I don't think it's all coaching incompetence. I, I really don't. I, you know, See, it's a spell. It, it, I think it might be. <laughs> yeah. I really do. I think it might just be like some sort of dark magic because it <laughs> a school in Texas with that fan base with that much money, like with that many players nearby. There is no reason they shouldn't have fallen ass backward into a national title like twice in the last 60 years. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I have faith that they can do it, though. I don't know if they can actually do it because in order to win a national championship, they've got to beat Alabama, LSU, and Auburn in the same season. Um, I don't know. The only team that can do all that is Alabama. Um, no, LSU. LSU just did it. Yeah, no, I know, but and, Texas A&M and is Auburn, still a ways and off. Auburn of, has done it. I mean, look, it, it's doable. It's it's not always going to be Alabama. I know we feel like it will be because of what we've seen over the last few years, but it's it's possible it can be somebody else. All right, here's where here's where people are going to start getting really yeah. bad at this. Yeah, this is when we're going to veer off, I think, too. Number eight. Actually, no, I'm on number seven. You're on number I, so four of my top six were in the in the West. Yeah, I'm on eight. Oh, you had so you had Kentucky. That's right, Kentucky okay. up there. That's why we so my over. my yeah. number seven. And I know they think I hate their job and I and I don't like the school, but I actually think it's a great place to live. I lived there for two years, and don't it's do a it. Pretty good job for the right it's too person. High. The circumstances immediately right now suck, but too high. Take those terrible circumstances away, and it's a pretty good job. The University of Tennessee, too high. I mean, if we're projecting the next five years, come on, I, I, they are so far down on my list. It's going to be embarrassing. Like this is, I think, the most we've disagreed on a job since we've done the series. That's all right. And you want you, you, and you want to you can take you want to talk about all Twitter. I'm happy. I'm happy to be the good guy for once. If you're if you're, I mean, I understand that Vol Twitter coming after you might be. I'd put him number one to avoid it. Uh, but right now, in the next ten in the next ten months, and then into five years, like 
Josh Heupel has a heck of a job ahead of him. And they're like rebuilding a rebuild. The fans are increasingly impatient. Every single time there's a three and out coach, the pressure on the next one gets even higher. Um, but recruiting here's, the state here's is very, very difficult. This, this historically stupid situation they're in right now, I think is finally going to stop the churn. Because you can't look at it and say... If this guy can't get it done in three years, we have to fire him. Somebody's finally going to get a chance to get this job done. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that would make it a little bit better if you feel like you have, if you actually believe that Tennessee can go more than three years with the same head coach. I don't know. Hasn't it been since Philip Fulmer that they've had, that was the last coach that was at Tennessee no. for more than three years? No, Butch was there 12, 13, 14. I'm sorry, 13, 14, 15, 16. And into 17. So he was in a fifth season. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't want to take that job right now. I Especially considering <laughs> the fact they might have some NCAA stuff going on. Uh, and we've talked so many times they on this might. podcast about... <laughs> they might have some NCAA I don't, stuff. I don't, I, I'm not going to predict whatever <laughs> happens with the NCAA. I'll let that handle itself and then we'll I discuss know, it. I but, know. you know, I like the idea They're gonna be like, of We're Tennessee. leaving the NCAA. The NCAA is yeah. gone. No more problems. <laughs> If if in 10 years we did this, I might take Tennessee because of what the population shift is doing in Nashville and some of the people coming up from south into Tennessee. Like, I think there's potential there. I'm just saying, like, we're doing this from here to the next five years. I, I wouldn't touch that job with a 10-foot pole, and they had a hard time finding somebody to do it. I mean, I think that the way That's that they're coaching higher – At Ari Wasserman? Ford, all didn't it play out there. that way, though? Did they get what they – I mean – it didn't. No, they didn't get what they wanted, but, but I, I'm not sure what they wanted. I think they wanted like hologram Vince Lombardi. I think that was the 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 only possible option. Yeah, if you're gonna take if you're gonna take uh, a team and put them in the top eight of the SEC rankings, and then that team is just coming off a coaching search where they couldn't convince anybody to come, like that's like a bad look. <laughs> I I I, uh, I know you want to okay. you want to hit me, but that's uh, hey whatever. It's gonna get what worse is, when I tell you my number eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think um, I know what your number eight is. Go for it. Guess. I like when you guess because I feel like you always nail it. South Carolina. Nope. No. Ole Miss. Nope. No. Mm. Okay, I'll tell you. Arkansas? It's Mizzou. Oh, Mizzou. Okay. All right. I, yeah, I think you like Mizzou, Mizzou better than I do, I think. I like Mizzou better than you do. A, just in ter- I, I just don't think it has much natural recruiting ground. That That's that's my only issue. Yeah. I, I think it's a perfectly fine place. And, I, and every year that passes, I, I appreciate what Gary Pinkle did even more. Yeah, and Pinkle showed that you could win at a pretty high level there. And St. Louis is the best talent area of any of these teams. Like, what is a more natural recruit, like Tennessee's proximity I, to take, Atlanta? I'll take the state of South Carolina over St. Louis. But again, you have to deal with Clemson, so... You have to, yeah, I don't know. St. Louis, Ohio State's in St. Louis. Teams, if you're, if there's a five star prospect, they could be on Mars and everybody's recruiting him. So, like, that's the thing. I mean, if you're that. in St. Louis, Arkansas is going to be there. I mean, you're, you're going to be fighting tooth and nail. I think St. Louis is a nice place to a territory with high level football to claim the under the radar three and low, low end four star prospects to build something the slow way. There's, and there's Mizzou, also decent talent in KC. Like it, now, right. some of it's under the radar. Like Isaiah Simmons w- was under the radar, and, and Clemson plucked him out of there. But uh, yes, yeah, St. Louis and KC, there's talent there. You can make that work. Yeah, and they, you know, I, I don't know what the pressure situation is there. Just thinking in terms of that's like when we did our our episode, Andy, where we like, what teams are you buying stock in? 
Are you buying stock in Tennessee or Missouri right now? I think you picked Mizzou on that podcast. I, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. He is. But I had South Carolina in that spot because I think, granted, with Clemson doing what it's doing, but again, once again, we've got a historic run that at some point will end. And if you can once again dominate that state or even come close, even split in that state, you can be the third best team in the East behind Georgia and Florida. South Carolina is my nine. So like we're uh, basically on the same page there. Yeah. Um, it's a tough it, spot. I mean, it's not an easy, I don't know. South Carolina has got some nice talent, but it's not necessarily known as a hotbed for elite level recruits. And I remember, um, you know, back in the day, there were some pretty athletic defensive linemen uh, in that state. And, you know, South Carolina won big well, okay, at one so point here, with here, South Carolina what talent. Happened. This, is, this, this is why South Carolina won with South Carolina talent. And, and they're not doing this right now because of Clemson, but they went, this is, they went Alshon Jeffrey, Stephon Gilmore, Marcus Lattimore, Jadavian Clowney got all those guys. I mean, think about that list. That's a really amazing group of, of players. So that's why they they jumped up. And of course, we, you know, let's throw Steven Garcia in the mix here. Too. Now, uh, Connor Shaw also being the right guy at quarterback at the right time helped. But I think they can I think they can recruit enough nearby. Plus, you're so close to Atlanta. You're close to Jacksonville. You're close to South Georgia, where there's a lot of players in these little tiny towns, and people can get overlooked even even by the big big boys that are in the SEC. So you can find, but they're, they're the closest FBS school to Charlotte, the, or, or sorry, the closest Power Five school to Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte would be the, the closest FBS school to Charlotte. the The problem here is that if Clowney were the number one overall player in the 2011 class, and you made it the 2021 class, where's he going? He's going to Clemson. Every time. And that's yeah. like really, really hard world to live in because the only hope that South Carolina really has to be legitimately good in the SEC, like good enough to contend for a title, is by those kids popping up in their own state and them claiming them. And like back in 2011, during this time when Clowney, Clemson wasn't Clemson yet. So the fact is, is that like now there's a major roadblock in your own state that didn't exist 10 years ago. So I think building South Carolina is going to be much more challenging, even if these kids pop up again, you know, and that there's a lot of talent in that area, but I would never, and maybe I'm talking myself into maybe putting them even lower because I wouldn't want to be second fiddle to anybody in my own state. Like that's just a recipe for disaster to me. I think because of the, that you're in the sec, there's it's cushioned a little bit. It's, it's not as bad as it could be. You know, if, if they were an ACC school and, and in the same state as Clemson, that would be worse by a lot. But at least you can say, hey, come play in the SEC, which is uh, I've got Kentucky next. And that's that's what Mark Stoops has made a living on is going to kids in states that don't have SEC schools and saying, come play in the SEC. I just pulled up South Carolina, the state from the 2021 class. There are no players in the top 140 uh, nationally in that state, in that class. And the best recruit that uh, South Carolina got uh, was the number eight ranked player in the state of South Carolina, and he rates number 667 nationally. You've got Alabama, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, and Florida State all above them in their own state. Like, that, this is a yeah, really when, when tough When you're coming job. off of 
four and eight season and you're about to fire your coach, you don't do pr- very well. But it's a bad combo. It's a bad combo because there's yeah, the state's I, the, the talent's not there to begin with. And I'm telling you, the, there's enough talent within a four hour drive. They can be good if they get the players. Now, they have to convince yeah. them to come, but they can be good. There's five top 200 players in the 2022 class. Two are already committed to Clemson. The number one player in the class is a corner named uh, Jaden Lucas, and he is um, the number 38 overall player, and he's crystal balled to Clemson. Like, that's just, I don't know. I, I might actually wish I could move them down just looking at all these numbers right now. It's well, like a really tough job. To. I, don't, I don't think these are set. Did you actually no, stone? Did you? I, I just, I'm talking my, the more I think about it, I mean, nine isn't the greatest ranking in your conference, but when we're talking about the SEC, that's a pretty good ranking, but I still wouldn't put them below Tennessee. Well, I had, I had Kentucky below South Carolina for, for the reason I just gave South Carolina has so many players within a four hour drive that the right coach, and I don't know if Shane Beamer is, we'll find out, but the right coach can make them competitive. They, they just, there are players there. You got to get them to ignore some state lines, but there are players there. Right. Dabo Sweeney manages to get players to ignore state lines all the time. So it's doable. Uh, my number 10 is Ole Miss. I think my number 10 is Ole Miss. I think you got the, the Juco system in Mississippi, plus really good high school players in Mississippi, plus you are so close to Memphis. Uh, there, there's an opportunity to recruit there. Uh, but you have to understand how to how to balance your roster. You have to be able to hit on those JUCO guys, and you got to have a quarterback. And right now, Ole Miss has a quarterback, and things are pretty fun in Oxford. Two words: Arch Manning. <laughs> as as Matt Corral's uh, successor, I can I can go with that. <laughs> If Arch Manning goes to Ole Miss, shoot them up four spots in my rankings. And I feel like the potential of them getting him, I mean, there seems to be, he's been impossible to get a hold of. Um, I, I don't really read much stories about his recruitment at all right now. It's because he doesn't want to talk, and I don't I don't blame him. His family's been covered a bit. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, I also understand that if he has any sort of uh, – family ties to that last name and, and that college, then, you know, I don't know if Tennessee might be in the mix there too, but it's just like, if they have any chance with Kiffin there, like that could be a transcendent game changer. And also Athens is, is, is beautiful. Athens is where George is. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Forgive me. Athens is also beautiful, but yes, Oxford. So by the way, I, I think, we, we are saying all this stuff, and Lane Kiffin has the best chance to prove us wrong in terms of, of what, what these jobs are, because I think Ole Miss, with some proper plucking out of the transfer portal, can become a team that can, I don't know that they necessarily can win the SEC or win the West, but can beat most of the teams in the West on a given day. Yeah. Which is saying And they're something. fun. They're fun. I think yeah. being fun matters too, right? I think so too. I, and, and I think Ole Miss has been fun. When Hugh Freeze was there, Ole Miss was fun too. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. And, and it's, this is it's sort of like what I always say, like when Kansas opens, hypothetically, you know, as if Kansas might open again soon. Be fun. Be different. Be, be something we know what you are. And I think everybody on when we're at this point on this list, you have to you have to be that. So my yep. next one's Mississippi State. 
My 11 is Tennessee, so we don't have to go over that again. Okay. Um, and right. my well, 12 is Mississippi State, so here yeah. we go. Mississippi State, you know, same thing. you got to be able to do well. Out of, you got to hit out of the JUCOs. you got to evaluate well. Uh, Dan Mullen is probably the, the most successful coach they've had. He was a very good evaluator of talent, and I, that's, that's the kind of thing you need. Now, Mississippi State obviously has a, a distinct identity now with Mike Leach. We saw that that didn't work so well at the beginning, the question is, once Mike Leach gets everybody who came to play for him and everybody sort of bought in, does that get better? And I don't know if it does or not. Yeah, yeah. But when you start getting into this range, I mean, that's just life. You know? yeah. <laughs> I feel I like there's always peter out when we get down to the bottom three. It's just like, oh, what, yeah. is, what is there to say? You know, it is well, what it I, is. <laughs> okay, so I had Missouri at number 12 because I, I just – the problem is – there's not a ton of talent and the talent that there is in the state. A lot of really good people are trying to get. I had Arkansas at 13. Now, Arkansas is an interesting one to me, Ari, because you and I noticed this throughout the year as, as Sam Pittman got them competitive again. Their talent was not bad. Like what he took over from a pure talent perspective was pretty good. I think they were the number 25 team in the the 24-7 talent composite, which is, you know, you put the recruiting rankings of all the players on the roster together. And so number 25 is probably good for like number 11 or 10 or 11 in the SEC, maybe lower. But it does mean you can beat teams that are from 10 to 20, like if you're if you coach them well enough. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas would probably be in the middle range of every other conference based on the circumstances of what they have. Um and, you know, that's the reason why that are my 13 and then Vanderbilt's my 14 because of yeah. all the teams in the SEC, like Vanderbilt is completely off the reservation in terms of comparable talent. I think like all the other teams ahead of it on the right Saturday can compete with anybody but Alabama. And even Ole Miss competed with Alabama last year, as we all saw. So like Vanderbilt doesn't even have a chance when they show up. So yeah, they're fishing. They're fishing from a different pond. Right. In terms of recruits, and a much they don't even belong. Pond. Yeah in the conference in terms of just like what it is to be competitive in the football landscape. But, you know, I think aside from my Kentucky reach, we were pretty on par again. Yeah, and, and I don't know. Kentucky one makes sense. The only reason I didn't have Kentucky where you did is because I was putting a national title as a criterion. But absolutely, if we're just talking about, do you want to be happy for the rest of your life? Well, being the head coach of Kentucky is a way to do that. So I, there aren't like if you could be the Auburn head coach, it will end badly. <laughs> You're going to have some some good times, but let's be honest, it's going to end badly, and you, you just got to you gotta accept that when you when you go. I mean, in, I at guess least you, you get a there's, big check. There's worse things to be than a national championship winner that ended badly. I always just think oh, it's yeah. so funny that G, most G colleges Chizik if, seems very zen to me now. <laughs> how fast did they fire him? Two years. Was it the, I mean, yeah. how many other schools do you win a national championship and then just stay how long as you want? Oh, exactly. And he won yeah, a national he, championship and was he, gone in two years. He, he went 0 and 8 in the SEC in, tw in 2012. 0 and 8. I think should the national championship win, win a game? <laughs> winning in the national championship, in my opinion, should be like a clause in every contract. If you win a national title, you get a five year extension guarantee. So it's, like, it's sort of like it's sort of like winning a golf tournament and you're in the Masters for the next 
10 years? Yeah. That sort of thing. I mean, winning a national championship is so freaking hard. Like, if that's your upside, I think every fan base outside of Alabama uh, and maybe some of the other Blue Bloods would be like, okay, uh, give us one national championship and then we'll wait five years of mediocrity and then do, we'll do it again. And I think that's part of the reason why Auburn was so Not high on your, Auburn, on your list. <laughs> <laughs> no, they enjoy no. it. They enjoy uh, they the don't enjoy it. They clearly you know, they don't enjoy, enjoy the, the downs. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, they, what a crazy don't, world. They, they don't get, they don't draw joy from the suffering. I, I, I do know that. I, I've talked to enough Auburn fans to know that they, they suffer pretty deeply during those downs. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. I have another ranking that I need you to do, and I, I've given you these choices, and I've, I've asked you to put them in order. You are the person I would think of most when I think of these food items. And basically, here's the scenario. You, you're working, you're on a road trip for work back when those happened, and trust me, they'll happen again. And you got done like one or two in the morning. Pretty much everything else is closed, fairly remote location, but you got, you got a few options. So here are your five options at two in the morning, and I want you to rank them in the order that you would most want them. Your choices are three gas station roller grill hot dogs, five Crystal or White Castle burgers, five Taco Bell tacos, and we're talking about the standard ground beef, cheese, and lettuce taco, a gas station pizza, or from the same gas station, Three bags of pizza flavored combos. Okay, this is great because uh, first of all, you've I actually am, had all of these, haven't you, as a meal? I, I have had all of them. Uh, I people find gas station food disgusting. I find it awesome. Like as like a pinch. I'm not saying I would just choose to go there only, but you know. And what you said that when I was ranking these, we had to say that we were sober, right? Oh yes, yes. This is correct. You are sober. So this is okay. not a. This is not a after a big night. This is after work. And and I didn't want to get too specific because I want this to be fairly universal. But I for me, like the ultimate is you're in Pennsylvania, you're in western Pennsylvania, and you get a sheets at, at two in the morning, and that that screen, that touch screen when you order, it keeps asking you things like, Do you want chili on this hot dog? Do you want jalapenos on this hot dog? And I'm like, yes, yes, I do. Yes. And I, I almost went there, but that's too specific. So uh, yeah. I, I feel well, like let this me is a go good, on record, good universal one, and tell you that Sheets Pizza is absolute trash. It is trash. <laughs> I, I threw it out pizza. the window in frustration. <laughs> I was ugh, and I threw it out the window because I was so angered by it. Um, so can I pick a national chain gas station or like? And there, I've got two yeah. questions. I can pick whatever yeah. gas station I want. Yeah, and like two, if you want to go Seven Eleven Pizza, go for it. Okay. And two, on the roller grill hot dogs, does it have to be a hot dog or can it be anything off the roller? Oh, no, it could, it could be like the cheddar sausage thing or, yeah, whatever you okay. want to do. All right. Okay. Number one, three gas station roller foods um, because <laughs> yes. I like the buffalo chicken this is ones. Like you I the like food the cheese. Court. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> there's variety. Uh, and so I don't even know. Taquitos probably don't count, but I would take the cheeseburger link and the have buffalo them as a chicken side. one. And a hot dog. So I'd get all three. That's my number one. And n number two, gas station pizza. Um, 
I don't know if you guys have familiarized yourself with Flying J, uh, the chains, but the places that make fresh pizza out in the front, Flying J's pizza is legit. Like it's like legitimately good. It's it's every bit as good. Have we familiarized ourselves with Flying J? We've just insulted a bunch of Tennessee fans. Pilot Flying J, owned by their biggest boosters. Has anybody had a fresh piece of pizza there? It's delicious. And their their <laughs> uh, crust is braided. It is delicious. Um, my number three would be uh, White Castle Burgers. Because um, just if I'm hungry, I don't want to eat uh, cold food. Like I want like something that is a meal. And White Castle I find to be kind of gross. And if I had the option of driving to any other fast food place for a hamburger, it, they would be dead last probably. But, but, but on this but what list... About, what about Crystal, which tastes exactly the same? It's the same thing. I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> They're all the same. Three, and this is when it gets super offensive. Number four <laughs> is the bags of combos, because I like salty snacks. And Who five, Taco Bell. Pizza combos? <laughs> Taco Bell. I don't... And this is super offensive to people, because people are passionate about Taco Bell. I am not I a stranger... Understand to smashing fast food, I have never willingly gone to Taco Bell when sober, ever. Like I See, in high any school, this is where high, high school Andy's going to jump in. I had a lot of willing meals at Taco Bell sober in high school and college. And, you know, the double-decker taco is quite delicious. The one where they have the, it's the hard shell with the ground beef and the cheese yeah. and the lettuce, and then you've got the soft shell with the beans kind of as the buffer. I, that's a that's a fine meal with you put the fire not, sauce on there i'm not even saying that it's gross what i'm saying is is if you're going to pick fast food there's other options why would you pick that over all the other options that are all within the same half mile radius as taco bell the only thing that taco bell does is that it's open at 4 a.m when you're drunk i would never that's go it. there if i'm going to put garbage in my body taco bell is it's going to be from a gas item. station damn it's it. going to be it's going to be from a gas station or it's going to be one of the burger places so Taco Bell is managed to make an entire menu out of four ingredients and call it 900 different things. Some things are better than others. And I actually, one time my friend got the, uh, you see the fried chicken one where the shell was fried chicken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. I ate that, but I didn't go there and get it. It was The Dorito shells over. are really good. I've never even had it. I would oh, never. The Dorito shells I, are I, awesome. I think Taco Bell is the worst fast food chain there is. Next up on the Andy Staples Show, sponsored by Taco Bell. No. I, I, they're, uh, what they're circumstance would you ever pick something over Taco Bell or Taco Bell over something else? Like what if you're sober and there's other things open? Why? Like what is the reason for it? See, I, I wouldn't because if I'm going to eat that kind of bad for right. me stuff, I want French fries. I want French fries. I want hamburgers. And what, the thing with Taco they, Bell, they do have. What are the taco fries? What are those? I, I, I have know, not I guess been to Taco Bell since never, those debuted. I've never had it. Uh, okay, and maybe they have fries now. I don't know, but I also am a big fan of variety, and everything on Taco Bell's menu tastes the same to me. So <laughs> I, it's just if I want Mexican food, I'll find a Mexican hole in the wall that makes an awesome bean burrito for three dollars, and is awesome. Like this is just, it's. It, for lack of a better term, Taco Bell is ass. Like, it's just not good. <laughs> Ari Wasserman, not a fan of grade Z meat. Uh, I do want to ask you, since we're on the topic of gas station food, I, I've been fascinated by this recent trend. They're putting Cinnabons in gas stations now, Ari. Yeah. Do, do, do you break down and get the Cinnabon? Because it, I feel like you can't 
it's hard to drive and eat a Cinnabon. Okay. Two things. One, I was in Florida last week and I ate two meals at Wawa. <laughs> of course you did. So like gas station food, that place is legit. Like I, I think people can go to Wawa and eat a reasonable meal and it's not disgusting roller food. Well, yes, good sandwiches, absolutely. They've got good sandwiches. The the pretzels are great. Everything is great. Second of all, anybody who has followed my food takes, disagree or agree, knows that I'm not a sweets person. And the thing with the Flying J is that a lot of them that have the Cinnabon in the Flying J also have a, a pretzel place. And if mm. I have the option between Wetzel Pretzel or Auntie Anne's, I'm taking the pretzel. Oh, not that is- It's not that the Cinnabon doesn't taste good. Everybody likes Cinnabon. I'm just never personally drawn to sweets. See, and, that's and the, 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 the issue I have is is I'll, a lot of times they're combined with a Subway. And I'm like, I could just get a sandwich and some chips, which is probably what I should do. But Half there's the also a too. Cinnabon right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I always just kind of the only time I've ever eaten Cinnabon in my life, I've been in a shopping mall. And Great, greatest, I couldn't even tell you the last time Cinnabon I had one. Greatest Cinnabon story ever. They uh, So my friend in college decided to be the student ambassador for this travel agency and convinced us all to sign up for this trip to Jamaica for spring break. And here, I should have read the fine print. So he said, oh yeah, we got to drive to Atlanta. We're in Gainesville, Florida, five, five hour drive from, we're going to drive to Atlanta and then we'll fly to Jamaica from there. Well, we get to Atlanta, I find out, no, we're not flying to Montego Bay from Atlanta. We are flying to Detroit to then fly <laughs> to Montego Bay on some 737 that they've chartered with everybody from Miami of Ohio and all the, a bunch of other colleges. And so th- getting there was hard, was a problem. There, there was, there were some delays. I think we spent probably eight hours in the Detroit airport uh, when we were supposed to spend about an hour there. And, but I, I understood that. Uh, wasn't particularly calming when we landed in Montego Bay and the gas mass or the, the, uh, Oxygen mass came down in the plane, but it was fine. It was getting back that was the problem. So, first of all, we get to the to the airport in Montego Bay, and they get us on the plane, and then there's a, some sort of mechanical problem. And the pilot comes on and goes, yeah, they know about it. Uh, they're going to send somebody, but this is Jamaica. They kind of move on their own time here. So, about three hours later, they finally did get that part fixed. They get us in the air. We get to Detroit. We, we go to the Northwest Airlines counter. That's how long ago this was. There was still a Northwest Airlines. And to check in, uh, we, had to, we had to figure out where our flight had been moved to because we had missed our connecting flights. And we hand the vouchers to the lady and she goes, oh, these are worthless. These aren't actually for a flight. And I'm in Detroit, Michigan. I live in Gainesville, Florida. My car's in Atlanta. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because I don't have enough money to buy a plane ticket. And I'm not going to call my parents and explain this to them. So we are on the verge of killing the friend who sold us this stuff. But he's rather persuasive. And so he's like, look, hold on, let me try something. So he goes and starts talking to the nice lady at the Northwest counter. And like five minutes later, he, he, he pulls us over. He's like, he's like, okay, I think we got it figured out. 
Well, fortunately, at the time, there were Northwest had a million flights a day between Detroit and Atlanta. And she just took pity on us and put us on a basically empty plane. And so she's like, your plane leaves in 45 minutes. Go. How much Here's money does tickets. this friend make now? A lot? Uh, eh, not so much. Because <laughs> it's uh, been s- persuading <laughs> somebody to put you on a flight yeah. for free. I don't know if it's just a different yeah. time, but. Well, uh, this, is pre, this is pre-9-11. So, yeah. But there, there's, you know. So during those 45 minutes between when this nice lady took pity on us and when we took off, I hit the Cinnabon. Well, that's and I also walked just... onto that plane with the Cinnabon, and it was one of those—I uh, I, forget—a seven sixty-seven, I think, that goes three five three. Yeah, and so I'm in the middle row, one of those five rows, all by myself, because there, there was just literally no one on this plane. And I pull down my tray and I put my Cinnabon on it. I have never been as happy or as grateful in my life as when I was eating that Cinnabon. Several thousand miles over Ohio. That sounds like the greatest meal ever. Um, it was unbelievable. One time, Landis and I were driving, and Landis got the Cinnabon in the gas station, and he got a churro sandwich filled with vanilla ice cream. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I didn't have it, but he told me it was the greatest thing he's ever eaten, because Cinnabon's not just cinnamon rolls anymore. They've got all sorts of things, so... Um, all, all manner of ways to fatten us up when you're, when you're, uh, in a desperate situation and you have some comfort food, that's when the food tastes better too. Oh. You finally like had the most stressful time of your life. Yeah. You're at home or on your way home and you just can just sit down and relax and eat something that's awful for you. Like that's the epitome of being a man. I think, well, I, th- so. I think if I had to, if I had to rank the top five meals I've ever eaten, that, that one Cinnabon is on the list. Just because my situation went from horrific to the greatest. I, well, I basically, the only problem is that you didn't order two. I know. It didn't matter. I'm, I'm basically on a plane by myself. Now the, For free. Our, my friends were on there too, but it was such a big plane, I couldn't even see them. And I'm eating a Cinnabon, and I thought I was going to be stranded in Detroit, but I'm going home, and it's just all's right with the world. I mean, the, the flight on the way to Montego Bay sounds amazing. It's just a bunch of, when you're in college, a bunch of people, and it's all a college trip, and it's like the Wolf of Wall Street flight down to Monaco. I mean, it, I it, it, it would have been tremendous had it not been a 23-hour ordeal. It would have been yeah, awesome. Yeah, I don't know. You meet, you, you know, I'm sure somebody met the love of their life on that plane. I, I'm sure quite a few people did, at least for yeah. that week. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, college. Ari Wasserman, it has been a pleasure. We're going to rank the Big 12 and the Pac-12 next week. We're going to finish up the Power 5. And then two weeks from now, we're going to have the Dumbass's Guide to March Madness because we're going to record this thing after Selection Sunday and noted college basketball experts, you and me, are going to break down the tournament field for everybody. That's going to be a disaster, by the way. I don't know. We're going to t- we're going to tell them how to make money. Well, you're going to tell them how to make money, and then they're oh, going to yell at you when they don't. Yeah, well, I, what's new? I had a pretty bad year. <laughs> All right. We will talk to you again on Wednesday. I'll be back next Monday with more rankings that you can yell at us about. Thanks so much for listening.